I'm Warren Smith. Thanks for joining us for the Ministry Watch podcast. On today's Ministry Watch Extra podcast episode, a special presentation of my conversation with Dr. David Dockery. It's likely that Christian education in this country would look significantly different were it not for the life and work of David Dockery. He served as president of Trinity International University in the Chicago area and as president of Union University during a time when Union faced a significant crisis, a crisis we'll talk about later in the program. Union University emerged from that crisis as one of the nation's leading Christian colleges. Dockery has also used his gifts to serve Christian education beyond the colleges he's led directly. He has consulted or served on the boards of many important Christian institutions, including Christianity Today, the Colson Center for Christian Worldview, and many others. He's also been active in the Council of Christian Colleges and Universities, where he served as chairman of the board and the Evangelical Theological Society, which he served as its president. At a time when many people would be thinking about retirement, David Dockery is 68 years old, he resigned his post at Trinity to lead a new group, the International Alliance of Christian Education, which is made up of Christian schools, colleges, and seminaries from all around the world. We'll discuss that group in our conversation today. I wanted to have David Dockery on the program for a number of reasons. First, here at Ministry Watch, we believe that Christian higher education is a vital ministry category. We recently added more than 50 Christian colleges and seminaries to the Ministry Watch database. Secondly, I wanted David Dockery himself to share his experience of leading an organization through crisis. I believe there are powerful lessons for ministry leaders and for donors trying to to decide what kind of leader and institution they want to support. That story comes in the last half of today's podcast. During this period of COVID, when travel has been restricted, David Dockery and I had this conversation via a little bit of electronic magic. Dr. Dockery was at his home in the Chicago area, and I was in my home studio in Charlotte, North Carolina. You've had a unique vantage point to look at Christian education and evangelicalism generally in this country, I would say. I think that is true. I'm just, you know, when I reflect upon uh, the pilgrimage that the Lord has allowed us to take, I'm overwhelmed by uh, the opportunities, and it has given me a a variety of vantage points uh, to see the work of the church in this country and around the, the globe. Well, and I want to talk about that and get uh, some specific thoughts from you about that. But I want to begin our conversation, if we might, David Dockery, with your latest gig, if I might put it that way, <laughs> uh, the the International Alliance for Christian Education. Um, this is a new organization. Uh, you're leading this organization. Tell me about it and why you think it's necessary right now. Well, we believe that it's a very timely uh, opportunity to... Uh, connect and bring together uh, all aspects of Christian education. You know, for for many years, um, Christian educators have uh, functioned and known about one another, but we've not worked together very well. When I say that, I mean that uh, those in the primary and secondary schools have uh, worked in their lane and those in the Bible college world have 
uh, worked in, over in their sphere, and then the Christian colleges and universities have been in another place, and then there were the seminaries. Uh, what the International Alliance uh, for Christian Education attempts to do is to create an alliance. That is the key word in our name, to create collaboration from early education to Ph.D. programs and to connect all of these uh, educational entities so that we might uh, hook arms, share resources, uh, strengthen one another, uh, particularly in a time when we're all facing uh, financial, uh, economic, cultural, um, demographic, and uh, denominational uh, issues. Well, let me ask a hard question right here at the beginning, because you've been involved with the uh, Council for Christian Colleges and Universities uh, in the past. In fact, you were chairman of the board of that organization. There's been some um, controversy associated with that organization over the years. Uh, Some have been concerned that uh, there's been a sort of a liberal shift in that organization. There have been, um, you know, other challenges that different organizations, schools, colleges have faced. So let me just ask directly, uh, is what you're doing at IACE a response to any deficiency there? Or is it truly what you say, an attempt to uh, throw an umbrella over the entire Christian education world and and get them to lock arms and work together? It is uh, primarily the, the latter. Uh, we are trying to do something quite different, and we're trying to do something di- different and distinctive from uh, the CCCU. Uh, we, we appreciate uh, the work of the CCCU. Uh, it is... A more, uh, it is a more broad uh, coalition uh, theologically than IACE. IACE is intentionally confessional. Uh, to be a member, one has to affirm uh, the dis- transformational power of the gospel, the truthfulness of the Bible, the Nicene uh, Creed, and the Lausanne Covenant, uh, and to uh, commit ourselves to traditional understandings of, of Christian ethics. And uh, that has been uh, an important way to, uh, to define th- this group. And it has been the, the center around which all of these other uh, groups have coalesced. coalesced. And so in, in that sense, we're, we are broader in terms of how we uh, connect all these entities than any other Christian education group out there. But in some ways, we're more narrow than the other groups because of our uh, confessional commitments. Gotcha. I want to um, uh, ask you about some of the challenges that you briefly mentioned that uh, that Christian education is facing right now. And I, and, and I would say maybe Christian higher education in particular, but I'm not sure that that's true um, exactly. Maybe all Christian education is facing this, but one of them is a demographic uh, challenge that uh, we're just, um, you know, to say it plainly, we're making less babies than we used to. <laughs> There's been a bit of a demographic bubble that has gone through uh, Christian 
schools and colleges over the last 20 or 30 years that it's getting smaller and smaller. Uh, we're seeing Christian colleges shut down. We're seeing others um, that have some pretty serious financial difficulties. First of all, am I accurately assessing that situation? Is that what you're seeing too? And how will an organization like I, I the International Alliance for Christian Education, help institutions address this challenge? Well, I think you have... Um read the situation quite well. This is my 36th year in the work of uh, Christian higher education. I started out as a faculty member in 1984, uh, became an administrator in the early 90s, uh, was named president at Union University in 1995, and then president of Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in 2014, and now in this work. And so this 36 Years. So I've seen this work from various uh, perspectives. Uh, I've never seen a time in which multiple challenges are coming together all at once. Uh, and the COVID-19 issues have only accelerated those and amplified them for many uh, people. But particularly the demographic issue that you mentioned is very real. From 1995 to 2007, Christian higher education was the fastest growing sector of all aspects of higher education. So think about that for a minute. There are 5,000 accredited institutions uh, across the United States, and you can break them down into community colleges, research universities, private schools, public schools, you know, for-profit entities. But the, the Christian piece in there, which includes Protestant and Roman Catholic schools, so broadly Christian, uh, was that was the fastest growing sector in higher education from 1995 to 2007. When the economic issues hit in 2008 and nine, that came to a screeching halt. Uh, there was a years of plateau, and then for the last five or six years, we've been in a measurable decline and that decline will probably continue uh, for, for two reasons. One, because the pool of stu- stu- students is smaller, as you mentioned. The demographics uh, are not good, and particularly as you get out to a 25, 2025 or 2026, they begin to fall off the table almost, um, at, at least in terms of projections. But secondly, the very real issue is the rise of the nuns, the N-O-N-E-S, the religiously unaffiliated families uh, across the United States. Uh, So approximately a a third of Americans now would identify loosely as, you know, religiously unaffiliated as as a nun. What does that mean? they probably have some kind of spirituality. They may have some kind of religious heritage. But that is a third of the student population that is not going to be looking at a school that proclaims itself as a Christ-centered institution first and foremost. And so so you've got a double whammy uh, at, at work here. Right. Now, that, in addition to that demographic challenge that uh, you've been talking about, uh, Dr. Dockery, for the last few minutes, there's also technology. And um, now technology is not a new thing. I mean, we've been dealing with technology since the printing press. But within the last 20 or 25 years, I would 
say that technology has been more of a driver in education perhaps than it has been in the say the 20 years before that uh the internet and you know distance learning that sort of thing i'm wondering what you think about how the covid crisis is going to impact the adoption of technology especially for um distance learning applications a lot of us are a whole lot more comfortable with zoom calls than we have been in the past <laughs> and um and I'm just wondering, will will that be a challenge for Christian education or will it be an opportunity for Christian education? Uh, the answer is yes to both questions. Um, it is a problem uh, and a challenge for us because uh, we maintain that a key part of what we do is not just deliver a different kind of information, but we create a sense of community in which there is uh, interaction and interrelationships uh, among people uh, that, that uh, help foster a context for uh, not just uh, advancement in information, but to move toward genuine transformation of yeah. people's lives. I've heard that uh, Christians are an incarnational people and that while we can use technology for certain things, that you really can't incarnate the incarnation without being with, the, with people. That's right. Uh, there's something about Mark chapter 3, verse 14 that remains haunting for me. Uh, Jesus called the disciples and we usually read the passage, we read it so quickly. Jesus called the disciples and then he sent them out to preach. But there's a little phrase in there that's right in the middle of the verse. Jesus called the disciples to be with him. Then he sent them out to preach. Hmm. And that with him component is, I think, a key to uh, distinctive Christian education. So how we create the context for formation uh, in an online setting is a, is a genuine challenge. I'm convinced we can deliver the information just as well online as you can in a classroom. What I, what I think remains uh, a challenge, an opportunity for us, is to find ways to address taking the next steps toward formation and, and transformation. Uh, the reality, however, was that on March the 13th uh, this year, uh, we all became online learners. You're listening in today on my conversation with Dr. David Dockery. Dockery has written more than 35 books, many of them on Baptist history and theology, as well as on Christian education. I'm Warren Smith with Ministry Watch, and we'll have more with David Dockery, including his remarkable account of how a college he led, Union University, recovered from a natural disaster after this short break. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. 
Welcome back to the Ministry Watch podcast. I'm Warren Smith, and today our guest is Dr. David Dockery. One of the defining moments of David Dockery's life and career took place in February of 2008, when a rare winter tornado struck the campus of Union University in Jackson, Tennessee, while Dockery was president. The story made international news in part because of the severity and rarity of a February tornado, and also because even though the campus was almost completely leveled, no one died in the disaster. The tornado also gave Dockery and his leadership team a clean slate to rebuild the college for the 21st century. I asked David Dockery to tell that story himself. David Dockery, I'd like to shift gears a little bit in our conversation and talk to you about a particular episode in your life um, that <laughs> uh, I know you've got a unique perspective on it. And that is um, something that happened when you were the president of Union University, uh, February 5th, 2008, at about seven in the evening. Union University was struck by a, a very powerful tornado, 160 to 200 miles an hour. I think it was an EF4 Four, tornado. Right. More than 200 mile per hour winds, right? And um, it uh, more or less leveled the college. Um, I paid attention to that because my I was born in Memphis. My family is all around Jackson and Martin and Bradford, Tennessee, all that kind of, you know, West, mm -hmm. Northwest Tennessee area. So I paid, and I had a, uh, a niece that ultimately graduated from Union as well. Um, so I was paying attention to it. It's just a, it's an amazing story. Would you sort of pick it up from there? February the 5th, uh, 2008, 7.02 p.m. to be exact. We know that mm. because all the clocks stopped. Uh, this EF4 tornado came right through the middle of the Union campus. Uh, I was in my office along with two other deans. Uh, we were hunkered down, uh, praying that the Lord would spare us. I had a window that faced east uh, in my office. The tornado came from the west. It came from Memphis, directly down I-40, and uh, toward to the Union campus, which sits one mile north of Interstate 40 uh, in, in Jackson. We could see the this orange blur and this large, this huge sound, you know, go over our heads. And I turned to my two colleagues and said, perhaps we've been spared. At the same time, my phone rang and said, come to the residence life area, we've been hit. And so we were not spared, just the building that I was in, the administration building, happened to be spared, but over 60% of the campus uh, was hit. Academic buildings, the entire student life area was leveled, almost all the dorms. We had uh, about 1,200 students, it's our best guess, on campus that night. Now, our student population is far larger than that, but at that particular time, uh, that's how many students were there right after dinner. Dr. Could I pause you right there for a sure, moment, Dr. Sure. Dockery? Because, I mean, I just can't imagine what must have been going through your head at 7.02. I mean, you're there, you're hunkered down, you're praying, but you think maybe, you know, you've that things are 
Okay. But when you walk outside, knowing that there are over a thousand kids on campus and you saw, I'm assuming you immediately saw the devastation. Is that correct? Because virtually. Uh, well, we, were I mean, in, we were, yeah, we were in the dark. We lost power immediately. So it was hard to see, but the devastation was obvious everywhere. And students started coming out of their rooms. They were cut and bleeding. The flying glass had uh, hurt many of them. Some were hurt very badly. We took over 60 students to the hospital that night, nine that were injured uh, severely and had long-term hospital stays. But about the time that I got to the residence life area, which was 705, 706, uh, we started hearing these words, come over here, we're trapped. And we had a dozen students that were trapped under fallen walls. Uh, that it took us five hours to dig them out of, of those walls. Uh, by the grace of God, they all survived. Uh, they were all hurt, but um, no one died. And the emergency management system, when they arrived, told me that they we we never said this at that particular moment, but we've said it since in several contexts. They brought at least a hundred body bags with them, knowing that. Uh, the devastation on campus, they knew there had to be many deaths. It was not until the dogs finished, you know, sniffing and going around the campus at 3 a.m. the next morning that we were assured that no one had died. And uh, we were just rejoicing, giving thanks uh, to God. But the campus was devastated, $45 million worth of damage in 45 seconds as that tornado zipped through the uh, campus, and um, we had to almost start afresh. Um, some wondered whether Union University was done. I mean, we had board members who said, I don't know how we recover from this. And uh, we began working. We called a special board meeting immediately, um, began planning, trusting the Lord to allow us to restart the spring semester, which we did two weeks later in what we call the Union Diaspora, mm-hmm. because students were, about a thousand students were living in homes across the Jackson uh, community. The broadcast and journalism school were meeting at the ABC affiliate. The education school was meeting at a Christian education building. The business school moved to the Black and Decker conference rooms. I mean, we were all over the city, and uh, the music department moved to a large mega church. Uh, that had a big music facility, and um, it was you know, somehow, by the grace of God, we were able to start the semester two weeks later. We actually started at 7.02 p.m. two weeks later by gathering in the chapel to pray and give thanks to God for sparing our campus and giving us a new start. Nine months later, we had at least rebuilt most of the dorms so the students could come back. We had five construction Companies that usually competed with each other for projects on the Union campus that came to me and said, we've decided we're going to work together to help you rebuild the campus. I started crying. Well, uh, it was overwhelming uh, yeah. to me to, to hear that. And we they worked together as teams, and therefore we had every possible resource available uh, to us to try to rebuild the, the campus. And we were able to, to restart the fall Semester, and then eventually, two years later, exactly on February the fifth, two thousand and ten, the Student Life Building was uh, completed, and the Events Center was completed, and we had 
all the campus was restored. Uh, God was so good. Uh, we had an $18 million gap between what the insurance company uh, covered in terms of replacement cost and what it was going to cost us to rebuild the uh, facilities, particularly to rebuild the dorms stronger. We wanted to send a signal to the parents that um, the dorms were going to be as strong as possible. And so we were able to do that. These construction companies came together to help us uh, rebuild it. And uh, by the grace of God, it all came together. Um, It's a story of God's providence. There's no way to describe what happened apart from God doing a special work and touching uh, Union University. He gave us a sense of hope that carried us through. From day one, we asked everybody that we knew to pray that God would bring renewal out of rubble. And he did that. And um, it's it's a great story of what, you know, God did in the most devastating moment. It's it's actually the the most traumatic and most significant uh, natural disaster to ever hit an American university campus, uh, even bigger than the hurricanes that hit New Orleans in two thousand and five. That's amazing. So it's it's it's, a, it's, a, it's a, God, God did something that we could not do, and we just marvel still. Dr. Dockery, I would like to uh, pivot one last time in our conversation and maybe bring us to a close here, because since I've got you, I can't resist sort of tapping into this unique perspective that you've had at 35 plus years in um, a variety of, um, of evangelical institutions and just ask this, how are we doing? Uh, how is evangelicalism doing as a movement? You talked about the rise of the nuns uh, a little while ago. and um, uh, you know, that is not only having an impact on Christian uh, education. You've got parents who have abandoned their faith, who now have no interest in raising their children in the faith. But it also um, has some implications for our country as well, obviously. Does that concern you? Do you think that that's the bottom of a trough and that we're about to experience, um, you know, some sort of a rise from that trough? Or what do you see right now? Well, uh, let me answer it in two or three different ways. Uh, One, uh, I've had the privilege of learning from some of those who helped to shape American evangelicalism in the 20th century. I was blessed to have mentors like Carl F.H. Henry and Chuck Colson and some people who really invested their lives in mine. And so uh, I've known those uh, people and seen the way they influenced and, and so, you know, saw their dreams for the evangelical world. And evangelicalism is always, at its best, a renewal movement. And right now, it seems to me that evangelicalism needs renewing. Um, we're we're not in a very good place, I'm afraid. Our churches are not as strong as they could be. Uh, we've already talked about our institutions, and some of them are in uh, difficult places. The theological and cultural issues. Uh, we're being pulled in uh, multiple directions. I'm afraid that many of us have inverted the great commandment um, so that the horizontal and social issues are more p- primary than the vertical and theological issues. And I think that 
we have to keep the great commandment priorities right, to love God first and then love our neighbor uh, as, as ourself. And I think when we get those things out of order, it always leads to um, confusion. And I, I think we're at one of those um, moments. So many of us have written about that and tried to address it, but it's uh, we, we, of course, need the balance. Uh, you have to have both. Uh, Carl Henry wrote The Uneasy Conscience of American Fundamentalism because we did not have a balance you know, at that time, and that's been 70 years ago. But uh, we, 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 so we need both, but we also need to keep them rightly uh, prioritized. Uh, the, the, the exciting thing that the, what encourages me is to not necessarily look at American evangelicalism, to look at global evangelicalism. You know, I've had the privilege to travel to Africa, to Asia, to Australia, you know, across the global south. What God is doing across the global south is amazing. It's the churches that are developing, schools that are developing. Uh, there are schools like Uganda Christian University with 10,000 students, Torch Trinity University in South Korea, you know, many others that I could name that are as strong or stronger than almost any Christian college in the, in this country. And we need to give thanks for that and celebrate it. And and so, so I, I think when we think uh, in globally, in terms of global evangelicalism, there's much to celebrate. And we need to give thanks to God for that. And, and, and perhaps that's where we turn our attention now. But we need not, at the, but I don't want us to give up on American, North American evangelicalism. Right. Uh, which is, which frankly is struggling, and uh, needs a compass readjustment at this yeah. moment. And I pray to God that He might uh, take what has been a renewal movement for a larger Christianity and bring renewal at this time. You know, we were in a very difficult place in the late 1960s, and out of that, as there were theological drifts and cultural drifts. The Jesus movement came along, and there was a new kind of youth movement that, that brought a renewal. You know, so I'm praying that that might repeat, that we could see another Jesus movement across. Those didn't come out of the Christian colleges. Uh, unfortunately, they came out of secular campuses. And uh, I was at the University of Alabama at the time when that happened in the early 1970s, and I pray that on secular public campuses, you know, God might do a work that could be good for the next 20, 30, or 40 years in this uh, country. We'll, we'll just have to trust Him to do that. That brings to a close my conversation with Dr. David Dockery. Several of David Dockery's protégés have gone on to distinguished careers of their own in higher education, including Dub Oliver, who is now the president of Union University, Gene Fant, the president of North Greenville University, and Greg Thornberry, who was at Union before becoming the president of the King's College in New York City. Before we go, I'd like to remind you that there's a quick and easy and free way to support this program, and that's simply to rate us on your podcast app. The more ratings we have, the better the podcast performs with search engines. You can also leave a comment while you're giving us a rating. I can't respond to your comment via the app, but please know that I read every one, and I find them both challenging, encouraging, and helpful. 
The producers for today's program are Rich Rosell and Steve Gandy. We get database and other technical support from Kathy Goddard, Stephen DeBerry, and Casey Suddeth. I'm Warren Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina, and you've been listening to the Ministry Watch Podcast. May God bless you.